0: Thank you so much for having me here today. It is an honour, actually. And I would want you to know that with me comes uh, the love and support of uh, many brothers and sisters... In the Anglican Church in Gladesville uh, as well. We want to see the gospel go out all over Sydney and we want churches to be strong in their love for Jesus and strong in their desire to see people around them one for Jesus as well. Our job is to, uh, is to pray and be active in winning people for Christ over in Gladesville and yours is over here in Freshwater. So we're on the same mission and we're in it Together as well. I would hope you know that there is a partnership, even if we didn't ever meet before, there is a partnership that exists in Christ between our two churches. It's an honour uh, for me to be here. Well, just imagine for a second that God said yes. That all the things you've prayed for for your community in this last month, imagine God said the answer is yes. For all the things you've been praying for your neighbours and for your street and for your school and for your sporting team and your social clubs, for all the audacious and bold and creative and powerful and impossible things you've been asking for for the last month, imagine God said, Yeah, I'm going to give that to you. Let me ask you, what would change about fresh water? Would anything change about fresh water? This term you've been thinking through getting unstuck when it comes to conversations about Jesus. And a few weeks ago you had uh, Sam Chan here, didn't you? Uh, And he gave you some great tips on how to reach your friends. I don't know if you remember some of the points uh, that he gave you in that talk. He talked about merging universes, so to speak, bringing your friends into contact and connections into contact with uh, with your friends that you're to go to their things and show interest in them. You start with coffee and you go to dinner and you tell the gospel coming from that as well. We listen to our friends' stories and we seek to change the story of that narrative towards Jesus as well. So what uh, Sam was saying is that the key to getting unstuck is to have an open Christian life. And if you like, my job here today is really to amplify some of the things that uh, Sam said a few weeks ago, but also to put them into a context, a wider context of what we're doing here in Freshwater. And uh, the key is really that we would, as a church and as individuals, have open Christian lives. That is one that is on display for anybody to see that anyone could see our lives, the way we talk and the way we speak and know that we uh, have a connected heart with connected mouths, connected hands and connected lives that show that we've been changed by Jesus. If someone comes into connection with us, we who have open Christian lives, well, they'll be changed by Jesus to uh, to consider Christ as well. Kathy, it's so good to have you here. I'm going to need your help in getting this one over the line, if that's okay. If I, I will ask for a question in just a second, so I need your response on that one when it comes up. Because I want you to know, from my own experience, and also from the scriptures, I, I would not want you to doubt for a second that God has the power to change fresh water. And I don't want you to not doubt for a second that God can take a church of 30 or 40 switched-on people and change the people around you. That your church can have a disproportional gospel effect on the tens of thousands of people who live around you. Here's the question, Kathy. Does that excite you? Does that excite you, church? Yes. I know we're an Anglican church. <laughs> Sounds like it. We're a bit late, a bit late starting. Dave, yes. let, me ask, let me ask you again. Is that sort of thing, do you desire to see the whole of fresh water changed for Christ? Yes or no? Yes. yes. Alright, well Colossians 4 gives us a bit of a blueprint of how to do it. Now the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Col- Colossae, and it's a church that he's never met before. It was a church that was started by a disciple of his uh, called Epaphras. And, he's wr- and And Epaphras has been writing to Paul to let him know how things are going in the church. Now this church is still small, and it's facing a lot of hardships. And Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae to keep them on track as Christians. And in the first chapter you might remember he says remember who you are in Christ. He says these amazing words. He says give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I mean, isn't that a remarkable thing? That God loves people so much that he would go into darkness and bring people into the light. That he would seek out sinful people and invite them to receive forgiveness. You see, when you sin against the eternal God, the consequence is eternal. But when you are forgiven by the eternal God, the forgiveness he gives is eternal as well. And Paul wants the church in Colossae to know that truth. He expects their lives to impact the world around them. And Colossians 4 is a passage that Paul teaches us and that Colossian church how to live open lives in the world in which we're living. And so he gives two commands in the passage that we're looking at today. He says, first of all, devote yourselves to prayer. And the second command is in verse 5. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And those will be our two points for the evening. Devote yourselves to prayer and be wise in the way you act. If you want to get unstuck in your conversations with your friends and family about Jesus, pray and act wisely as well. Now, as you uh, would have walked in, you would have received a bulletin. Inside those bulletins, there's a sermon outline if you like to follow along or even if you like to take notes. If for whatever reason, it would be helpful for you to have a transcript of the sermon that I'm preaching, because that just helps you to learn. I've got 10 copies of what I've got up here on that back table there. You are welcome to go and pick one up at any time, if that's helpful uh, for you learning as well. And of course, it'd be so great if you could have open Colossians 4. I know it was on the screen, but if you have the Bibles open in front of you, that will uh, help you to see what I'm saying comes from God's word himself. Let me pray for us and we'll get into it. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for the joy it is of having your word in front of us. We pray that you would help us to see you now and to know how we can live to honour you in fresh water and beyond. We ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. So first of all, devote yourselves to prayer. This comes straight from our passage. Verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, says Paul, being watchful and thankful. You see, when Paul says the word devote yourselves to prayer, he's using the word persevere, if you like. He's saying keep going, don't give up, don't stop praying. Keep doing it even when you can't see any changes yet. Keep doing it when you don't even think anything is happening. Keep going with it, even when you doubt that anything is going to change in people's lives, that your prayers will just seem to be unanswered. Keep going, says Paul. Devote yourselves to prayer. The reason is, of course, we know that the opening up of people's lives is a work of God. It's only God's work. It is not a human work. If someone is going to come to believe in Jesus... To move from darkness into light. To move from being a sinner into someone who's been saved and forgiven. It's God's work. It's not ours. And you remember that uh, line famously from the book of Revelation where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You don't even know the door needs to be opened till God comes along and knocks on the door. I mentioned... Um, for me, this is a very personal thing as well because I became a believer when I was 19 years old. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I grew up with loving parents. but They just weren't Christian parents. And my dad was one of those dads who was always going to send his sons along to the school he went to. And that school happened to be Trinity Grammar School. which so is a Christian school. So I would have heard about Jesus for six years while I was there. And when I got to university... I uh, was in the same course in psychology as a friend of mine who was a Christian, and he invited me along to a church service. And in that church service, uh, a guy named Al Stewart was speaking from Luke chapter 18. don't remember anything about the sermon except that I was sitting where you were, and it was that time where you get that feeling sometimes oh, something about this. And I was intrigued. And there was a card that was handed out, and you might have communication cards or connect cards here at church. I always think, who's going to fill in a connect card? And then I remember I filled in a connect card at the right time because I was like, yes, I do have questions about Christianity. So I ticked a card, and I was followed up by a guy, and we met up once a week. And he said, how do you want to play this? And I said, I had lots of questions about Christianity. And he said, well, why don't you bring one question every week? We'll read some Bible together. We'll pray together, and we'll see how it goes. And somewhere over the next uh, six months, October, November, sometime around that year, I gave my life to Jesus when he opened my heart and my mind to see him as he truly is. And one of the things um, when I was invited to that church service, uh, I mentioned uh, before, this is my friend uh, LJ, Um, after uh, the following year, he invited me along to his church and into his Bible study group that he was in at church And one of the things that this Bible study group did, and I don't know if this is something your Bible study groups do, they had notebooks. They brought notebooks every time they had a Bible study, and they wrote down in those notebooks the names of people that they were praying for. And so everyone would bring the names of people that were praying for, people that they loved, who were around them, who didn't know Jesus, and they wanted them to come and know Jesus. And they prayed together as a group. And because I'm pretty dumb, it was like halfway through the year when it dawned on me, wait a second, were you guys praying for me last year? Was I a name on this list when you're asking all these things? I knew I was onto something straight away because everyone kind of immediately avoids eye contact and doesn't look at you when you you ask that question. And yeah, it was true. You see, LJ had gone to the group in late January and he said, I want to pray for my friend Andrew. And so this group of Christians who didn't know me at all started praying every week for this guy named Andrew who was a friend of LJ's. Could you imagine in February and March, they ask LJ, we've been praying for 12 weeks. Anything happened? And LJ says, no, nothing's happened yet. And it gets into April and LJ says, you know what, I'm going to invite Andrew along to, to an Easter service at, at campus. Can you pray for me? And he comes back with the news. He said, yes, he's going to come along. Can you pray for him? And then May comes along. Any, any extra news? No, nothing's really happened. What about June? No. July? No. August, no. September, no. The people in that Bible study group, they're just humans. They couldn't see what God was doing in my heart because my eyes were opening and my heart was opening and expanding and I was asking questions. I wanted to know more about God at this time. God was working in me in a way that no one else could have known. And in fact, I didn't understand it. I only understand it now looking back on that time for what God was doing. But this group kept praying for me. Thank God they didn't stop in July. I'm a Christian today because God answered the prayers of his people with a yes. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. And Paul himself knows the power of prayerful people before a powerful God. Because he asks that this Colossian church will pray for him in his endeavors as well. Keep following along. He says, and pray for us too, that God might open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You see, Paul can't come to Colossae right now. He's chained up in prison. He would have been tethered to the walls, possibly to one of his other cellmates. But he knows even from this position of abject weakness that god can still work he can be the weakest human in the world unable to do any physical thing god can still have all of his plans come true god can still open doors through paul into ministry in people's lives and we know he has an effective ministry to tell people about jesus even from prison we know the stories from the books of acts and members, the members of the Praetorian Guard and the warden in the jail and even fellow prisoners come to believe in Jesus because Paul talks about Jesus all the time. And he's able to write letters from prison, encouraging churches all over Asia, just like in Colossae. See, prayer, it transforms even the weakest human into the most powerful open life for God. And so Paul also asks for prayer for him to be bold in talking about Jesus. You see in that passage there he says uh, the mystery of Christ is what he calls it. The mystery is how a, a holy and perfect and righteous God could ever come to a place of forgiving sinful people who have rebelled against him. It's a mystery, says Paul. Of course it's a mystery that we know is answered in the cross of Jesus. The God himself became sin. For those uh, that were his, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, when God forgives someone, it's not just, oh, you know what? Let's just pretend that didn't happen. When God forgives someone, it's a debt needs to be paid, but it is paid in full. When God forgives someone, he will never hold that sin against the person again. When you are forgiven by the eternal God, his forgiveness is eternal. And that is because it has been completely taken care of by Jesus at the cross. It means that Christians can be fully devoted to Jesus and we can live our lives in full confidence of our salvation. And I reckon deep down, people know they're not perfect. You don't have to scratch too far below the surface of anyone to know we're not perfect. And if people gave thought to it, people would know that there's a disconnect between where they stand and what they would imagine God would be like. They would know he is perfect and I'm not perfect. So the mystery of how he and us could ever come together is the story of Christ's forgiveness at the cross. You know, of course, what the answer is, don't you? To anyone who asks Jesus for forgiveness. You know what the answer is, right? Yes. Anyone who comes to Jesus and asks for forgiveness, the answer is always yes. The only person that isn't forgiven by God is the person who never asks. There might be people in this room right now who are exploring the Christian faith. If that's you, brilliant. There might be people in this room who've come along to this church or another church for a while, but have never actually asked for themselves whether or not they could be forgiven i'd want you to know that there's nothing stopping you from receiving the forgiveness of the lord jesus christ but you must ask him with a right heart about your sinfulness and your state god is the god who comes to sinners and brings them into the light he comes to sinners and he gives them forgiveness and we receive it by asking for forgiveness and trusting jesus at his word if you're in a place where you've never done that before then the invitation even from this passage is there the mystery of christ has been made known in jesus you could talk to dave at the end or me come and we can do business with god we can pray with you to make sure that you know the forgiveness that you have See, the apostle paul he wants open doors He says he wants to proclaim this message of the gospel wherever he is so that people will ask for forgiveness from God in Christ. That people will go from darkness to light, that they'll receive his forgiveness. And he asks that God will go ahead of him to work in the message that he proclaims. Now, many of us obviously here at this church already believe these things. And so we need to hear Paul's command to us. We are to devote ourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. See those characteristics at the end of verse two? Being watchful and thankful. Paul says we had to pray with our eyes open. We're to be on the lookout like a guard at the life saving place in fresh water. <laughs> See, we're supposed to know our suburbs. We're supposed to know our area. We're supposed to know our people. We're supposed to know the context. We're supposed to know our schools. We're supposed to know our street. We're supposed to know our community. Be watchful and prayerful. A few years back, as I mentioned before, I was called to start a church in Green Square. And you know what? The Lord gave us seven people to start the work with. Seven people are in the second back row up the end there. That's how many people we had to start our church. Now, if you don't know, Green Square, it's a place where there's thousands of people moving in. It's all high-rise and high-security buildings. You, if you don't have access into a building, you don't live there, you can't get into the, those walls. So how are you going to reach anyone when you can't actually have access to anyone there? Human flesh can't get behind the security and the barriers. But you know who can? Holy Spirit. So we have the power to be able to pray and ask that God's spirit would go in through concrete to affect the hearts of people who live inside buildings. And so every Monday morning, the first thing I would do was go on a prayer walk. I'd walk around Victoria Park, that was the suburb we lived in, and pray for the buildings and pray for the people who were inside those buildings. I didn't know who they were. And I would pray that God would bring people to know Jesus inside those buildings. I prayed that there'd be communities of care inside of those buildings that there wouldn't be the loneliness and there wouldn't be great struggle that people would feel loved in there as well I asked that God would start Bible studies inside of that building somewhere and that people would be welcomed into that building to read more about Jesus and I asked, if possible Heavenly Father would you bring people out of those buildings and along to churches could you bring them along to our church I remember doing this I did this for three years And I remember after one year, I remember thinking to myself, what is the point of doing this? Has anything happened from any of this prayer? And, you know, I told you before I'm stupid, and I am. I'll stick by that statement. I realised that the first, two of the first members of our new church came from one of the buildings I'd been walking around and praying for. I didn't know who they were, but the Lord brought them into our church. And these were two Christians that were connected with lots of other people and had started inviting other people to come along to our church as well. I mean, talk about not being watchful or thankful for what God had done. You see, when you are watchful or thankful, you can see the way that God is working, even in the small things, and that will spur you on to keep praying for the things that you're asking God to do. I wonder, is going on some prayer walks around your suburb something you could do as a church? Just by yourselves or grab another person? Go around your block in your street. Walk up and down just your street if you like. Pray for the people inside the buildings, the ones you know and the ones you don't know. Ask that God would be working in their lives in some way, shape or form. Do you notice when a for sale sign goes up on a house near you? You're one of the first six weeks later to go and knock on the door and say, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. What's your name? They come from the local church. You can pray for the people around you and ask God to do incredible, amazing and bold things. We can go out into our community gatherings and we can pray and we can watch and we can be thankful. That was the first command. uh, Devote yourselves to prayer. The second is like it and follows on from it. Be wise in the way that you act. See, Paul's second command comes from verse five. Have a look at verse five with me. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And that word act there is more than just behaviors. Literally, it's the word walk in that uh, phrase. The phrase is walk wisely towards outsiders. Sometimes we use that phrase Christian walk, don't we? You heard that phrase, the Christian walk? Well, that's what's happening here. It's not individual behaviors. It's the whole of your life. You see, prayer goes out, and then we are to live and act and walk in a consistent way. In this passage here, Paul says that we are to, act, uh, to walk wisely. Whenever the Bible talks about wisdom or being wise, it's always used in connection with someone knowing God. A wise person in the scriptures is someone who knows that God is above all, and he's the creator of all things. And someone who's, who is wise in the way they act, is a Christian who shows that in all of their lives. Now, back when I was leading a youth group, there was a woman whose name was Olivia, and she was a leader on our team as well. And Olivia had a condition called drop foot, which meant basically she just had to have a slightly exaggerated motion because her left foot kind of dragged a little bit as she walked along. She wasn't particularly impaired, but it just meant that she had a particular type of walk. I remember one day I was sitting down and I was talking to someone and out of the corner of my eye, you know how you can see movement out of the corner of your eye, Uh, out of the corner of my eye I I kind of recognised a familiar looking walk coming towards me and I knew even before I turned, oh that's going to be Liv. You see I recognised Liv by the way that she walked and Christians are to be recognised by the way that they walk. If you have a friend who doesn't know you're a Christian and they suddenly find out you're a Christian and they're like, what? How can it possibly be that you're a Christian? probably doesn't say a whole lot about how good your Christian life is going in front of them. Is it the Christian walk is to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, kindness, self-control. And it's to be full of Christian content as well. Forgiveness towards others and repentance. When we're wronged, other people as well that's the character of wise living consistent with god but don't forget the last two words and this is really important for us tonight of the little phrase in verse five you see the apostle paul says be wise in the way you act towards outsiders you see the term outsiders is a term the new testament uses to talk about people who are not yet believers It's not an eternal judgment on them. It's just a statement of their present situation before God. When I was 18, I was not yet a believer. And in Freshwater, there are going to be thousands of people who are not yet believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're outsiders now. And Paul gives a direction for the Christian church to go. He says, towards Outsiders. It's not enough for the St Mark's community here to turn on the lights in the night time and open the doors and call out to the rest of the community, come to church, everyone, come to church. We are to walk towards outsiders. Our job as a church and as individuals in the church family is to go out into the community and to live Christian lives that show that we've been changed by Jesus. Paul says that we are to make the most of every opportunity. You see, there's going to be opportunities all around us, some that you'll expect and some that you don't expect as well. I normally have my day off on a Thursday, but on a a particular week I had to have it off on a Friday instead. there was something on the Thursday. And so Friday's a day when Jess goes and uh, works as a physiotherapist and the boys go to school. So I was all by myself in the middle of the day. And I'm a ridiculous extrovert and so I can't, stand to have my own company for too long by myself, and so I decided to go to the local gym and play some basketball, and while I was there, uh, a group of blokes came in and started playing a pickup game, and I was on another court just shooting some hoops, but they were one short, and so I looked across and said, you want to come and join in, and so I said, okay, and so we played, it was good, it was good fun, and I said, how do you guys all know each other, and they said, oh, we all work at Nestle, just over in Rhodes, we come across here every Friday to play. Um, you interested in coming and joining us? Like, can we get your email address? We'll put you on the list, and we'll we ask around because we're just people in our company. I said that'd be great. And so now every Friday, I take a two-hour <laughs> lunch break and I go and play basketball. If you're wondering if ministry life is hard, sometimes it is not hard. But I go and play with these guys, and already it's it started to happen. People go, what's at atchristchurch.org.au? What's that email address? You don't work it. Nestle, do you? No, no, I work work actually in a church. I didn't kind of broadcast. I just let the conversation naturally come. It's interesting when people find out you're a Christian. You find out a lot about other people as well. I grew up in a Buddhist background. And uh, what sort of church is you on that you go to? Like whereabouts is it? Whereabouts is it on the road? You know, you start to have those conversations over the course of three, four, five months now just seen the warming of relationships now between those guys. Happens for two hours every Friday, just regularly come along. Was that something that I expected to happen when I had my day off on the Friday? It was not. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. You never know when those opportunities are going to come along. That's why we need to be praying that God would open up opportunities and that we would have eyes to see what our opportunities lie in front of us. I wonder, what do you love doing Maybe we don't talk about this enough, but God has made you, you, right? And there are things which you just love doing. You're just, I'm passionate about this. I love this. Well, there are there are things that you really love that could help you to connect with other people in your community? I mean, some people love to sing. Is there a local choir that you could join? Some people love to dance. Is there a dance studio? This is what Sam Chan is saying about merging your universes together, right? Is there sport, a sports team? Is there SES stuff because you love to fix things? Is there a surf life-saving club thingy down the road somewhere that you could join? Is there bushwalking or bush regeneration clubs happening around? Is there a school community that you can be part of because you're a parent? Is there an RSL, a bowling club? What are the opportunities? What do you love doing? Why don't you find a way of integrating the stuff you really love doing into the way you're actually looking for opportunities to to, to, to win people uh, towards Jesus? Making the most of every opportunity and being wise in the way we live. You see, when you're connected with people, you're going to talk with them, aren't you? And verse 6 is what Paul says. He says, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, oops, I was a slide too slow on that one. Sorry about that. Now, uh, salty speech is like gracious talk. Okay, it's filled with the character of King Jesus. It's, it's going to be kind and loving and patient and joyful and thankful. But our conversations need to be Christian. We don't want to be known as the nice person or the good person, do we? Because that can easily happen when you show this. We need to show that actually that comes because we're connected to Jesus. Sometimes that's going to mean that we ask questions about other people and their lives, how they're going, letting them know that, uh, you know, my faith actually helps me to think a certain way on a particular issue or in a particular way on something. But it also means, can I be praying for you about something? Is there something going on in your life that you uh, need some help with and I can be praying for in there as well? Our life is to be seasoned, With salt. You see, if it's no salt, it's just bland. You're just a nice person. But too much salt, it's awful as well, right? I remember Oscar and I were making a recipe one Saturday afternoon. We had to sprinkle some salt in, and the lid came off the salt, and just all the salt went in. Disgusting, right? Overbearing Christians are the worst. But seasoned with salt, loving, gentle, patient. Back and forth with people. Always being interested in other people's lives. Remember Sam's point? Get to know what's going on for them. Listen to their story. You see, always learning, but we're clear about the love of God and the need for our friends to ask Jesus for forgiveness. I came to church because LJ was my friend. Even though he was a Christian and I was not yet a believer. I liked him. He invited me to church and so I came. It was simple as that. Do you notice the last sentence that Paul says there? He says, know how to answer everyone, so that you'll know how to answer everyone, not what to answer everyone. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to have the right character, the character of wisdom in the way we walk and the way we talk. And so I was talking with Dave about this talk, and he said, how can we make this concrete? How can we action the stuff that we're talking about tonight? How can we put it into practice, into the life of our church? One of the things I wish I had with me tonight, but the, print, the printer has, hasn't finished it. I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. Uh, you all get next week a little prayer card. I wonder if I have a copy of it somewhere here. I put it somewhere. Yes, and I printed a copy of what it was going to look like onto your uh, onto your things there. A little business card-sized thing where, to remind us of the details of tonight's talk. You see, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer be wise in the way you act towards outsiders let your conversation be full of grace seasoned with salt pray connect eat share invite i'm sure it wouldn't be hard too hard for you to find some of what sam was saying in his talk into some of those headings as well and on the back of the card and i'll show you mine that i have in my wallet <coughs> On the back of the card, a little space to put the names of the people that you want to pray for onto the back. Who's the Andrew in your life whose name you could put onto this and commit to praying? Maybe when these things come, Dave, maybe we could get everybody to be using these in your Bible study groups during the week. Let's pray for some of our friends. Everyone pull out your card. Let's, let's go with a couple of names off there as well. You see, having an open Christian life means devoting yourselves to prayer and walking wisely towards outsiders. And as a church, you need to share wisdom on how things are going and to ask for prayer for your friends and for your neighbours as well. You see, Sam's, gonna, Sam's points that he gave you a few weeks ago, they're going to be really helpful for you to reinvestigate on this point. But I just want to say to you, you have an incredible opportunity here in Freshwater. And I'd encourage you, like Paul does, to make the most Of the opportunity before you. May the gospel witness coming out of this church community have a disproportional gospel effect on the people of freshwater, the thousands and thousands who live around you in this suburb. And don't doubt for a second that God has the power to change freshwater. So go ahead, pray audacious, bold, creative powerful impossible prayers for your suburb as you know them and as you love them pray anything you'd like to your almighty god because who knows god might say yes let me pray our father thank you so much for the joy it is of having your gospel and knowing the mystery of christ the salvation we have in jesus Thank you for equipping brothers and sisters in front of me with this gospel that they know you as their heavenly father and they know Jesus as their Lord and they have your spirit in them. We pray that you would move them to pray, to be devoted to prayer for fresh water. We would ask you, you, Father, that you would give them the mindset that they are going to trust you with bold and impossible prayers. Would you be so kind as this year, 2019, that you would see some of their friends that they are going to pray for come to ask questions about the Lord Jesus Christ? May those friends be intrigued to know more about Jesus. Would you be so kind as to bring people to faith around them? Would you allow this church community to be a community in which you are working to change and shape Freshwater? The people in this suburb would know that they are loved, by people who come to this church because they know what love is because of you. Would you help there uh, be so kind, Father, that there'd be many thousands of people who come to know Jesus over the next years because of the witness that comes out of churches like this one. We ask, Heavenly Father, you would give um, my brothers and sisters wisdom to make the most of every opportunity as you present it before them. And may they be powerful ambassadors for Christ.